Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler. How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am very ready. I'm very excited. All right, let's give it a whirl. Okay. Well, I just want to say that I'm so excited to be in our second season, and I'm so happy to have so many listeners from all over the world. I just want to say hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Yes. uh, Hello to uh, all of our uh, faithful listeners uh, all over this uh, great country of ours and all over the world. And uh, for those of you, if this is your first episode of History in Retrograde, welcome. Uh, The way that we do things around here is that uh, in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure uh, to my mother. Uh, That data consists of the uh, person's birth date, time, and location. Um, now, you, the listening audience, already know who this mystery history guest is. It is in the title of today's episode. I, of course, know who it is because I selected the person. But, Mom, do you have any idea who we're talking about today? I never know who we're talking about, ever. I have the hardest job in the world. <laughs> Hopefully, it's still rewarding, though. It is. It's very rewarding because people are very supportive of me when they hear the show and they hear what I had to do to get to the place where you want the information to be. But uh, it is um, quite the journey. <laughs> yeah. And and a journey that we all enjoy uh, you undertaking. Uh, so, uh, I give her that data. She, uh, creates, uh, the astrological birth chart and, uh, then reads it to the best of her ability, seeing what this person's, um, per- uh, personality, uh, motivations, characteristics all are according to, uh, what the, uh, stars and planets were at the time that they were born. Uh, I will ask a few discussion questions and then, uh, reveal to her who our mystery history guest is. And, uh, then, uh, 
uh, I will give a little background about who that person was, and together we'll come together at the end and uh, figure out how uh, accurate the chart was at predicting what that person would do. Uh, so without any further ado, let us begin. Okay. Uh, this is a male. All right. Uh, born on the 16th of May. All right. 1861. All right. Do we have a birth time? I was not able to get one, so we'll have to go with noon. Okay. We'll go with noon. All right. And where in the world? Uh, the United States. Okay. And the place? Gilmanton, New Hampshire. All right. So again, uh, this is a male born May 16th, 1861 in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. All right. So, um, so I'm just going to start with the, um, the planets. Okay. So this person has sun in Taurus, moon in Leo. Mercury in Taurus, Venus in Taurus, Mars in Gemini, Jupiter in Leo, Saturn in Virgo, Uranus in Gemini, Neptune in Aries, Pluto in Taurus, North Node in Capricorn, and Chiron in Pisces. All right. So, very interesting. Going with this chart at noon, um, it places this person's Saturn at two degrees Virgo in the first house. Now, normally a person who has Saturn in the first house can look older than they actually are or are appear or come across more, um, in more controlled and, um, uh, I guess mature, like they're not real, you know, animated or anything like that. And with this being in Virgo, even though Virgo is ruled by Mercury, uh, Saturn in your first house is still going to make you more composed. Uh, if that does not sound correct to you, uh, we could try something else, but, uh, that's what I have here with doing the chart at noon. All right, this person has, uh, so their first house cusp is Virgo. Their second house cusp, because I'm doing Placidist houses, is also Virgo, but it changes to Libra here, you see? And there's nothing, there are no planets in the second house. There are no planets in Scorpio in the third house. No planets in Sagittarius in the fourth house. But per this chart, we have North Node and Capricorn in the fifth house. North node is the direction you are supposed to go. So having North node in Capricorn and Capricorn being ruled by Saturn, again, this should be a fairly composed person, um, controlling, um, on the good side, it would be a, a, a more of a, of a teacher, a father figure, on the dark side, it would be a very manipulative, um, 
possibly addicted to alcohol, um, uh, the, you know, the dark side of Capricorn is that, um, very controlling, manipulative, but the light side would be very fatherly and like a teacher in the fifth house, which is ruled by Leo. This could be a person, if this were their correct birth time, that could be a controlling leader, very controlling leader. Uh, sixth house, we have Chiron in Pisces. See how it is at the very end? See how mm. the cusp changes there? So there's nothing in Aquarius, but the sixth house is, is ruled by Aquarius, but uh, which would make this person, if this birth time were correct, a very unique worker, uh, someone who is innovative and thinks of things that are uh, futuristic in the way of work, also would be humanitarian aspects. But on the downside of that, um, dark aspects for Aquarius are pretty much totalitarianism, meaning my way or no way. And they would not, a person who has Aquarius planets and they are activated in their negative side has no remorse whatsoever. They just don't have that. They don't find that emotion necessary. It's Capricorn and Aquarius, which were both originally ruled by Saturn. But this person has Chiron in Pisces in that house. And Chiron is the wounded healer being in the sixth house per this birth time. A good side would make this person uh, have maybe even be in some aspect of healing or medicine or uh, tactical communications because six houses ruled by uh, Virgo. Uh, if they were working with their dark side, then they would just be... Uh, <clears throat> maybe a bootlegger. I don't know. <laughs> Cause they would, or insane. They could be insane. So then the seventh house cusp is Pisces and, uh, the, uh, eighth, there's nothing in that seventh house per this, uh, birth time. And then, uh, eighth house has Neptune at one degree Aries, which is very interesting because Neptune is the planet of illusion it's the planet that rules like film and imagination and uh, secret. It could be secrets. Um, dark side of that, because it is an Aries, but it's only one degree. So it has aspects of that Pisces. There are astrologers who don't agree with cusp degrees. I do. I, I am a cusp person and I have planets on the cusp. So I understand, I recognize those parts of myself. So being uh, familiar with that, I think that this person, because Neptune is at home in Pisces, Neptune rules Pisces. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be great to have Neptune in Aries because it would veil that warrior aspect. Um, Having Neptune in Pisces could make you very creative and very magical. And it also could make you, you know, the dark side of that could make you very occultish, maybe. And also having it at one degree Aries, it could make you 
even use the dark arts for war. That could happen. Then on the ninth house, um, which is actually Aries, uh, but it changes to Taurus here, we have uh, Pluto and Mercury and Sun all in Taurus in the ninth house. We also have Venus in Taurus in the tenth house, which is just where that uh, house changes by degree. So that is quite the stellum in Taurus. So I would assume if, if this were his correct birth time, uh, this person would be pretty much like a bolter if you were trying to get them to change their mind. They, there is no changing this person's mind. Uh, and that can be for good or for bad. Um, this person I would think would be a steamroller, uh, steamrolling through life. And with that Pluto conjunct Mercury and Sun and Venus by sign, not by degree, um, you still have that Pluto there. It's a lot of power and it can also cause a lot of intense death and rebirth. Uh, it can also be um, on the dark side, having Pluto conjunct Mercury, conjunct Sun, conjunct Venus. Uh, um, uh, uh, um, dealing with the occult, dealing with darkness, it, you know, the dark side of that. And um, being very comfortable with the secrets and hidden things and taboo things. Uh, the upside would be that you would be very powerful in doing great things. But the downside would be that you would be very powerful in doing bad things. Tenth uh, house, we have Uranus in Gemini. And we also have... Um, Mars in Gemini. Wow. Oh, Mars conjunct Uranus and Gemini in the 10th house. That could be amazing and innovative and ferociously energetic and cause, um, it's a lot of energy right there. So it could be very good for humanity because Uranus uh, is what rules Aquarius and, and, and can be very humanitarian and futuristic and technological. But also Uranus conjunct Mars is very lightning. That's like, that's like Zeus like lightning bolts of war, lightning bolts of attack uh, in the 10th house, which is in this chart, because we don't know the, the actual time, uh, part of their career. But even if you don't look at that house, having it in Gemini, it's communication about war, uh, communication about um, ambitious things on the light side, but definitely unique communication and being really good at this communicating. Uh, but if, if, if it were in their 10th house, it would be very good for their career. Then that we don't have anything in the 11th house in this chart. 
But we do have moon conjunct Jupiter in Leo. In this chart, it's in the 12th house, which would be very karmic. Um, Leo being, you know, ruled by the sun and very bright and big and, you know, like a, like a sun leader, you know. So it could be someone who has great leadership abilities, but also, a, I would think, a very beneficial mother or women were also beneficial in their life. Uh, am I even close at all? Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, so do you have any questions? Have you gone all the way around? Yes, I've already gone all the way to the 12th house. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, what would you say would be um, something that motivates this man? What what would be his purpose uh, in life? Well, uh, for motivation, we lo I look to Mars, but we can also look at the North Node. So if you're following your North Node, you should be motivated by what it is. And this person has North Node in Capricorn, which would mean they need to pursue Capricorn things. Um, executive positions of work. Work is, should be very important to this person. In fact, this person could be a workaholic. Um, control. It's about control, but... If you're doing the North Node properly, then you are using your abilities to help things, you know, help in business, or you have a very excellent knack at business and, and, and not just working and making money, but actually like creating businesses and things like that. And then Mars in Gemini uh, is an excellent it's just Mars and, and, and I mean, um, Gemini and Aries sextile each other. So that's fire and air, right? So here we have this dynamic of fire and air. So that is a lot of energy that this person has conjunct with or by sign, uh, not by degree, with their Uranus. So possibly um, innovative uh, ambition, maybe. Okay. Um, what would this person feel about rules or authority? Oh boy. <laughs> so in this chart, even if I don't not even just not knowing what the time is at all, that doesn't matter. This person would not, no one would be able to tell this person what to do, whether it was for good or for bad. This person is going to do what they want to do. They have their own ideas about how they and when and why. I don't, I can't imagine that this person could be controlled by authority or in any way appreciated. Good for good or for bad. In other words, if this person is a really great person and has a really wonderful aspect on life, that's fine. But they believe they're doing the best. They don't need someone else to try to control them or tell them what they're doing if that makes sense mm -hmm. um how does he do in partnerships well i by this 
chart, there's nothing in their seventh house. And by this chart, we have Pisces on the seventh house. So I, it's very, very, very hard to say how this person would deal in partnerships based on this chart. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But um, by looking at the planets and the amount of control and power that this person has, I don't know that if they were in a partnership, it would be like the other person would have to be a silent partner and just go along with whatever they say. And that would be for good or for bad because of the way this chart is laid out. This person is quite a force to be reckoned with. Uh, would this person uh, be a benevolent person? It's possible that they could be benevolent. Uh, if all of these aspects are working on the light side, because Taurus is very, um, Taurus is ruled by Venus, right? So Venus is love and things. Taurians can be very gifty. You know what I mean? So, um, and also Leos can be very gifty. So this person by this time has moon at 13 degrees Leo conjunct Jupiter. So if they wanted to be benevolent, they could be, I would think that they would definitely have the, um, financial resources to be benevolent if they wanted to be, but that's all on the light side. They could also be very selfish <laughs> because it's hard. Okay. So Taurus when you have a lot of Taurus, the dark side of Taurus is like mine, 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 mine. All this is mine. You know, the food and the houses and the um, uh, uh, be, you know, like tchotchkes, <laughs> clothes, and all of the material things, right? That's very Taurus. Uh, they could want it all for themselves. So, you know, whereas if you're looking at like a Gemini, if this person had all these planets in Gemini, Geminis are like, whatever, they throw everything like up like confetti. I mean, they like stuff. Don't get me wrong. They don't, they're, they're very ambitious and they like stuff, but they have this, you know, this childlike kind of like, let's have fun. You know what I mean? So, uh, the Taurus, all that Taurus makes them very connected to material things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, how would women see him? Well, I have to say that I don't know what his rising sign is, but uh, with all of this Taurus, um, I can only imagine that this is, you know, it's all ruled by Venus. And this is, this, I would assume this is a, a very attractive person. If they're not attractive, then they would be kind of big, like a bull. And, uh, probably very on the dark the light side of Taurus would be very sensual Taurians are very sensual they uh they they do everything with this whole you know uh um behavior of of of, of the senses touch and taste and so like when they eat their food they they really enjoy their food you know and uh, when they brush their hair, they, you know, there's just all these different things about it, all that Taurus. And then we have the moon conjunct Jupiter in Leo, which would be leadership and uh, gregariousness. And uh, having this Mercury in Taurus would be 
maybe a, a smooth talker, uh, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what sort of uh, profession uh, do you think you'd go into? One that makes a lot of money. <laughs> this person should make really good money. Um, they could be very charming. They could be a singer because of all the tourist, tourist rules of throat. Um, but I, it's very hard to tell without knowing a, um, rising sign. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes it very difficult, but with the North node and Capricorn, I would imagine business executive position in business, business owner, creator of businesses with all that Taurus, it would be something you know, whether they're good or bad, it's a lot of connection to material things. Uh, well, uh, that's actually uh, my next question. Uh, so could you go into maybe a little bit more detail as to uh, what his relationship to material goods might be? Okay, so I do want to say that when you're dealing with this much Taurus, material things, things of this material world can be very uh important for tourist people uh whereas um libra people are also ruled by venus but they tend to be more interested in love and romance and pretty and you know being uh friendly and fair and all those things but taurian people like things they like food they like comfort. They like fluffy blankets and fluffy pillows. And uh, they like things. So I would assume with this person having North Node and Capricorn and uh, all of these planets in Taurus and Saturn and Virgo all trining each other, that this person liked material things very, very much and probably had a lot of them. Okay. Um. Is this a timid man? (laughs) I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think this was a timid person at all, unless somehow they were able to mask all of this power and uh, use it in a way that was covert. But I wouldn't imagine that this person was timid at all. I mean, looking at their chart, I don't know where all this Taurus falls and where this Leo falls, but I would think that this person... That's thunder. I would think that this person was very bullish. Um, is this a person who plans things out very well, or is this more of a uh, reactionary, fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants kind of person? Well, I don't know where these planets fall. I know I keep repeating that, but it's very frustrating for me when I don't have an actual birth time. But considering that they have Mars conjunct Uranus and Gemini, it could make them very spontaneous, very out of the blue, like just, you know, like eating dinner and then picking up a gun and shooting someone (laughs) like that, because like um, uh, this person has the potential to plan things. Um, but you know, when you're planning 
people who plan things are like, you know, Virgos plan things and, and Capricorns plan things. And, you know, um, tourists can plan things. I think that, that, you know, there's a lot of tourists there, so they could be very, very planning, you know, but, uh, the situation with this one is that for all that tourists, uh, they could have a, a slow to boil temper that is very Torian, but you really don't want to get on that last nerve with a Taurus because they've been building and you didn't know it. And now they're going to, it's going to be ugly. But in this situation, this person has Mars uh, conjunct Uranus by sign. And that could be very explosive. What is his relationship to honesty? Well, uh, this person doesn't have a lot of Sagittarius, but Capricorns can be very righteous in doing the right thing, whatever the right thing is. But they, on the other side of that is they can be very tricky. <laughs> Geminis can also be very tricky. Gemini men are probably the worst. I'm sorry, Gemini men. I'm sure you've got really good Gemini men out there. But the bad Gemini men are probably the worst. And so um, here we have this person with North Node and Capricorn, which could be very righteous, you know. Uh, but on the other hand, they could be very good at manipulating situations for their benefit. So this could go either way. And like I said, I, I, it's very hard without the rising sign for sure. I'm just basically looking at the planets and, you know, trying to piecemeal it together that way. Also, Mars and Gemini can be very, uh, any kind of, interaction with Geminis. Geminis are very quick. They're very quick. Their brains work really fast and they can think while they're talking. Uh, they're very good at it. Uh, not that uh, Virgos aren't. Virgos are also ruled by Mercury, but Virgos are more detail-oriented, where Geminis are really good at improv. So this person has Mars conjunct Uranus and Gemini, which is a um, communication sign. So they could, you know, be really good at communicating on the fly. Uh, what is this person's view of humanity? <laughs> well, on one hand, if this is a good person, uh, they could have a very good view of humanity. Um, as far as, you know, all the classes of people, uh, but having this much Taurus can make a person fairly selfish and dark side. They could be uppity, think they're better than other people. Uh, those are all possibilities. Uh, is there uh, anything else about this chart uh, that you haven't uh, talked about already? Um, I think I've covered everything I can cover with, uh, what we have and, and, and not a rising sign until I find out who it is. And then maybe I can get a better handle on it. Okay. Uh, well then at this time, I think it's time to, uh, summarize, uh, the, uh, results, uh, what, what we found here. 
Uh, so uh, the first thing that you said uh, was that this person could look older or mature, um, would appear controlled, um, uh, not an animated person, someone who maintains their composure. Um, this would be a composed person, uh, possibly controlling, uh, possibly a teacher, a father figure, or could be uh, manipulative and, and controlling. Um, this person could be a controlling leader, uh, would be a very unique worker, a futuristic thinker, could also be a totalitarian, would show no remorse, um, could possibly uh, be in the business of medicine or a healer, uh, but also could be a bootlegger and possibly insane. <laughs> Um, there would be a, uh, a veil, uh, of his warrior aspect, uh, possibly, uh, a, a, an attraction to occult, uh, things, uh, use the dark arts for war. Um, he would be immovable. You cannot change this man's mind. He is a steamroller, uh, could possibly deal with the occult darkness. He is comfortable and powerful with darkness. Um, powerful, innovative, uh, ferociously energetic, possibly humanitarian. Um, there are lightning bolts of attack um, as part of his career. Uh, he would be able to communicate about war, a unique communication, a good communicator. Uh, women could be very beneficial to him. Uh, work was very important. He could be a workaholic. Uh, control um, was important. Um, he had an excellent knack for business and a lot of energy. No one could tell him what to do. He does not have any appreciation for authority. Uh, if he was in a partnership, he would be the leader in the partnership. Um, he would be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, there's the possibility of benevolence, uh, gifts of material things. Uh, he would be financially well off. He could be selfish. Uh, he would uh, be a very attractive person, uh, possibly sensual, uh, gregarious, a smooth talker. Uh, he would make very good money, uh, possibly a singer. Um, he uh, could be a business owner, an executive. Uh, he has a connection to material things. Things are very important to him. He is not a timid man, uh, unless he is masking his power in a covert way. He is bullish. Uh, could be spontaneous. Uh, could possibly be planning, but less likely so. Um, he would be slow to burn, but once you get on that last nerve, um, it could be explosive in his temper. Um... There is a, a, a tendency uh, that he could be righteous. Righteousness um, could play a, a large part in his motivations, um, but he could also be tricky, uh, manipulative, and uh, trick things and people to uh, his own ends. Uh, he has a very quick brain. He can think while he's talking. Um, he uh, could have a, a benevolent, kind, good view of humanity, um, but at the same time he could be uh, very elitist, uh, looking down his nose on other people. Uh, is there anything that I left out? No, I just want to clarify that a lot of what you're saying is based on this person having Virgo rising, and where I'm looking at the planets in the chart based on this time of noon uh, birth time. So... 
a lot of what you're saying is just his planets and how they interact with each other. But some of it has to do with, um, you know, where I'm reading them in this particular chart due to this birth time of noon. Uh, would you like to know whose chart you've been looking at? You are looking at the astrological birth chart of Dr. H.H. H. Holmes. <gasps> really? For those of you who do not know, Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, uh, at least that was what his alias was. His birth name was actually uh, Herman Webster Mudgett. Um, he uh, was America's first um, well-known serial killer. Uh, he, uh, his victims number anywhere between 20 and 200. Um, he, uh, was so well, uh, uh, gifted, as he would put it, at, at his craft of murdering. Um, he actually built a murder castle in the heart of Chicago during the Great Exposition there in, um, 1893. And, uh, it, it, Truly, this was the thing that he wanted to do most in life was uh, uh, to to kill all of these uh, people. Um, so at this time, uh, let's uh, learn a little bit more about uh, Dr. Holmes. Uh, so he was born uh, Herman Webster Mudgett. Uh, he was uh, on May 16, 1861 in New Hampshire, uh, born to uh, Levi and uh, Theodate uh, Mudgett. Uh, he was uh, the third of five children. Uh, his uh, family, and a lot of this, it's very interesting to try and do the research on him because he wrote his own uh, accounts of his life. Wow. Um, but in many ways, that cannot be trusted um, because he embellished uh, to make himself even more uh, uh evil and dastardly than he may have been uh, to sensationalize people. Uh, so the fact that there might, you know, some people say that he killed 200 people uh, would make him very happy today to think that some people think that, um, whereas the number in reality may be far less. So some of this comes from him. Some of this comes from what we've learned afterwards. Uh, that his father uh, was a farmer and a tradesman, uh, did not make a, a whole lot of money, and um, growing up, uh, Herman Mudgett was uh, picked on a lot uh, in school, um, and was also picked on for being effete. Uh, he was not uh, one of the rowdiest uh, of the young boys at school. Um, he was very uh, shy and scared uh, of uh, of the world around him. At one point, uh, he he credits this as sort of the forming of who he would be. Um, the kids played a prank on him, and they uh, took him to the local doctor, and then they shoved him in a closet with a skeleton. And uh, he remembered vividly uh, the skeleton with its uh, uh, that it had out its arms outreached to him, calling him to it. Uh, he claims that this is a a a uh, formulating factor in his life and in finding out who he was. That he saw this skeleton not as a human, um, but as a product. That there was no soul uh, to this body. There was no soul to this skeleton anymore. Mm. Um, and later on in 
in his life, he would just view humans as these things, as just bodies and skeletons. That mm-hmm. there's, that there's no life. There's no. It doesn't matter. That there's no um, remorse uh, uh, for this life or soul having been lost. Um, but that was uh, quite a uh, uh, had quite an impact on his life growing up. Um, uh, so uh, he. Continued on through school in New Hampshire, uh, and at the age of 17, uh, he married a young woman uh, named Clara Alton. And Alton was one of the uh, richest uh, daughters uh, in the area, um, and uh, had so much money that he was able to use that money to go to medical school. Mm. Uh, He went to uh, the University of Michigan Medical College. Uh, Now, this is just at the time where uh, medical colleges are becoming uh, uh, renowned, and, and the they are uh, actually having some sort of scientific method behind uh, what they're doing. And um, the uh, students there have many hours uh, where they are spent over cadavers Mm -hmm. studying human anatomy. Uh, There's a great need for these cadavers so that these students can learn uh, uh, how to treat living people. Um, Now, the conservative estimate says that 20% of these cadavers were found um, through above-board means, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that they were actually donated uh, to a site, meaning that 80% of bodies being used at these medical colleges were dug through from grave robbers and uh, murderers mm-hmm. and all sorts of unsavory means. But... The medical college would look the other way because it needed these bodies to hopefully uh, train doctors to be saviors and and lifesavers. And so they looked the other way on all this and continued to uh, buy uh, all of these ill-gotten cadavers. Mudgett saw this happening. He saw there was a, a janitor there that they called Doc Nagel. And uh, he was one of the leaders of uh, uh, getting these cadavers. Uh, He was uh, the one who was buying uh, these bodies uh, from these ill-gotten means. And uh, Mudgett saw that he was making quite a bit of money doing Mm -hmm. this. Uh, So this continued to uh, form in his mind that... These are bodies. These are just a product. This is just something that you can sell just like anything else and make money off Mm -hmm. of it. Um, uh, While in uh, medical school, uh, he got uh, very close to a lab partner named Robert Leacock. And uh, together, they formed this idea that, well, we know where all of these bodies are. We know that all these bodies come right through the medical college. So we can just go out and find some guy and get a life insurance policy on him. And then the three of us can find a body in the, uh, in the college and just tell the life insurance company that that's the guy and that he's dead. (laughs) And then they would pay it out. (laughs) And uh, the three of them would walk away sharing the money equally and be very happy, live very wealthy lives. Mm -hmm. Um, now, at this time, this plan did not actually come into full effect, but they were talking about it. That, And there's no harm. It's just the life insurance company. They have plenty of money. They can spare it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, every, you know, according to this plan, no harm, no foul. 
Um, so they come up with this plan, but nothing really seems to happen with it. Uh, Munchet actually struggles in school quite a lot. Um, he uh, graduates uh, in 1884, but it's just barely by the skin of his teeth. Uh, in fact, uh, the faculty had to vote twice mm. uh, in order to uh, uh, actually get him enough votes to uh, graduate with the title of doctor. Um, once he graduated, um, he left his wife, uh, Clara, and uh, started pursuing another woman. Did not seek a divorce, um, had uh, this wife and this child, and just left them so that he could go off and see other women. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts doing so in New York. Uh, he's actually found out uh, that he's trying to be a bigamist. He's, he was already uh, uh, engaged to be married to this young woman in New York, and they find him out, mm-hmm. uh, and he is uh, chased out of town. Um, by 1886, uh, he has fallen on very rough financial times, and he starts to think of this plan that he had, um, back in, in uh, medical school of, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting, you know, this scam going with, with this old partner of his and the, uh, uh, the life insurance company. Um, he meets a young woman named Murda Belknap, uh, and, uh, they get married, uh, and she's part of the scam. They decide that what they're going to do is instead of trying to get a whole family, uh, that, that was the uh, original idea is that we're going to find a family of bodies mm-hmm. and that's going to, you know, get a big payout. Mm-hmm. Instead, he's going to do it for himself. He's going to mm-hmm. put the life insurance policy for him oh. and then he's going to fake his own death. Mm-hmm. And then the wife, Belknap, would be the beneficiary, <laughs> and then they would all split the money together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eventually he becomes despondent because he cannot find a body that looks quite enough like him. Uh, so then he says that he decides to go back to the partner, uh, Robert Leacock, and he invites him uh, up to a hotel, and then uh, he overdoses Leacock with laudanum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then tells the life insurance company that Leacock is Mudgett and to pay Belknap the money for uh, Mudgett's death, and they do so. Mm-hmm. Now, one complication in this that we now know is that Leacock did not die in uh, 1886. Uh, he died later on. So this is now, it's very confusing to figure out, did he kill someone else and get this money? He definitely had a lot of money when he ends up in Chicago. What happened? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. But he says that he killed his uh, former uh, medical partner, Robert Leacock. He gets this payout. He has uh, over $20,000, which is a real large sum of money in 1886. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Chicago. Chicago is this, it's the second largest city in America. It is up and coming. And in just a few years, they're going to hold a World's Fair there, the Columbia Exhibition. Uh, it, people from all over the world are going to be there. He wants to be a part of this new up-and-coming town. Uh, so he arrives in 1886, and he goes uh, to the drugstore of Elizabeth uh, Holton. And uh, he works there, and he's a very good worker. Uh, he is uh, uh, so good that uh, eventually, and again, this is one of those things where we we're not exactly sure what happened. He tells the story that Holton and uh, her husband disappear. Um, oh. and then he was sold the drugstore. Wow. Uh, either way, he was in fact sold the drugstore and he did own this drugstore. 
Um, other people say that the Holtons lived out the rest of their lives just perfectly happily, that they did sell the drugstore and that they were not part of his victims. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does get this drugstore and he buys the plot of land right across the street at the corner of Wallace and 63rd uh, Street in Chicago. Um, and he buys this vacant plot of land and he has this idea for uh, this shared space. It's going to be retail and it's going to be apartments uh, and maybe a hotel on the third floor too. capitalize on all these tourists coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, so he starts getting all of these contractors and architects on board. And as the contractors are working, uh, one contractor will start putting in a set of stairs and then he'll say, you're putting it in all wrong. And they'll fire them mm-hmm. and then bring in another set of contractor and then change the designs a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so he keeps having and hiring and firing all these contractors this allows him a to not have to pay anybody for this work because he says it's bad work Mm -hmm. secondly it allows no one to actually know what this place (laughs) is designed for and what it looks like Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, it is claimed that this was completely designed by him it had uh, staircases that went to uh, nothing uh, like the Winchester house it had um, closets that you would open up and there'd be a solid brick wall. Hmm. Um, it had chutes uh, that would uh, connect the third floor uh, to the basement. Hmm. Uh, it had uh, other chutes that would only go to uh, a bathroom and then another trap door that would lead you to the basement. Um, it had uh, one thing for sure that we do know happened is that he had a safe, uh, one of the largest bank safes in Chicago, um, stored inside uh, the uh, building, and that what he did was he uh, completely uh, had the safe encased uh, in the wall, but he didn't pay for the safe. Mm. So then the safe company comes and they say, "Well, you didn't pay for this safe, so we're going to have to take it." And he says, "Well, if you uh, t- damage the wall that the safe is inside of, uh, then I'm going to sue you for everything mm-hmm. that you're worth." And so the bank just had to wa- walk away and lose their safe. <laughs> Uh, so now he had this safe that was certainly large enough to hold a, a person. Um, so he had all these things. Uh, all, uh, however much of a murderer he was, we're not exactly sure what the body count is. But as a flimflam man, mm-hmm. he was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to scam all these people and, and gain all of their trust. Mm-hmm. He was a good, sweet talker. Mm-hmm. He could uh, convince you that he was a very legitimate and trustworthy person and tell you exactly what you wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it takes a... a, a a number of years to get this, uh, what is now called the murder castle completely built. But by 1892, uh, it is pretty much finished out and it is ready for this grand, uh, exposition. Uh, so tourists from all over the United States start coming, uh, up to Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is a time where not a whole lot of people have telephones. Uh, you're not writing, uh, too many letters. You're not sending a lot of telegraphs. They're, you just went to the ex, uh, exposition, and if nobody ever heard from you again, nobody knew what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there was no way of tracking people down. Uh, so this was perfect for what he wanted to do, because he saw 
He remembered back in college, there was this need for bodies, this need for cadavers. Mm -hmm. And now in Chicago, there are tons of bodies just walking around. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he has them uh, come up to the hotel. I have hotel rooms here. Stay here. Um, He has business partners. He has other people rent out the apartments and the stores below. Uh, And he then starts on the the uh the murdering of these people uh so uh he was also running the drug store and so there are records showing that he is buying a lot of chloroform <laughs> and people are not exactly sure what he needs with all this chloroform but he was using it to uh drug all these people and kill them and <laughs> uh then sh- shoot them down uh to the basement where he would work on their bodies uh so that he could uh give them over or sell them to uh, the colleges. Mm. Uh, at one point uh, during this, he had a uh, a glass uh, bending furnace installed, one of the hottest furnaces that you can have, which would pretty much burn a body to to carbon. Mm-hmm. There, there, not even bones would be left. Mm-hmm. Um, very convenient for what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He also had vats installed. These uh, containers, um, vats with uh, carbonic acid, uh, which could completely dissolve flesh. Uh, because he's getting about twenty to thirty dollars each time for giving the college a body, mm-hmm. but if he gives the college a skeleton, mm-hmm. he's getting over a hundred and seventy dollars. <gasps> so sometimes he would double dip. He would get this body. He would send it over to the college. The college would be done with it. He would then take it back, clean it up, sell it back to the college for a hundred. So he was getting a lot of money off of these human beings. Mm. Um. Now, these are just some of the uh, random people. Again, there are over 200 names that are associated that may have been uh, killed by him during uh, this grand uh, fair happening in Chicago. Uh, But there are some other people that we know for a fact uh, were associated with him and uh, were uh, met their fate at his hands. Um, so uh one of them is the Connor family. Mm-hmm. Uh so Neil uh, and their and his wife Julia and their daughter um they uh uh Neil uh, started uh, uh working uh, for um uh, uh homes uh, in in the castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, had a business uh, there. And homes targeted this family and because he all this time remember the first uh scam that he had was about having a family mm-hmm. uh to to uh, uh scam the life insurance company out of uh so now he sees this family and so neil and uh the wife and the daughter and neil's sister all come now uh, after a few months the sister uh dies mysteriously mm. um and then uh, this uh, puts a wedge between the uh, marriage of uh, Neil and Julia, and Julia starts having an affair with Dr. Holmes. <gasps> uh, and Neil uh, runs away. And so now it's just Julia and the daughter. And then on Christmas Eve uh, of uh, 1892, a, a delivery was made uh, to the medical college uh, of a, a female, an adult female body, mm. uh, who uh, they later believed was Julia. Uh, and then they found uh, her daughter uh, was buried in a pit mm-hmm. of lime. Um, 
Uh, so that was uh, the story of the Connors. Another one uh, is named uh, Minnie Williams. Uh, so uh, Minnie Williams uh, was an actress, and she was an heiress uh, from Fort Worth, uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, all this time, Dr. Holmes is is a great proponent of uh, women getting out of the house and working. <laughs> uh, this is a time uh, where the 1890s, it's a new thing to have these women working out in the city. And uh, so there, there's a need for stenographers and typists and secretaries and maids. And uh, Dr. Holmes runs a female employment agency right oh, out of the castle. Oh, how nice. Uh, so all of these women who are coming to Chicago and have no connections can come right up to Dr. Holmes and he will get them a job somewhere, <laughs> maybe right in the castle. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Minnie Williams is one of those. He She uh, works as a stenographer uh, for uh, Dr. Holmes and she has this large ranch that she's inherited in Fort Worth and they start having a, a passionate affair and Dr. Holmes convinces uh, Minnie to uh, uh, deed the uh, ranch over to him. The only uh, problem in all this is that Minnie has a sister, Annie, uh, who would also be uh, inheriting part of this ranch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Annie comes up to Chicago to see her sister, Minnie, and uh, she writes a letter back home saying that things are wonderful, that uh, Harry, uh, meaning Dr. Holmes, is a wonderful man, and mm-hmm. they're all going to go to Europe together soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnie and Annie were never heard of again after <laughs> no. July 5th of 1893. Uh, their land uh, was inherited by one of Holmes's business associates, a man by the name of Ben Peitzel. Uh, so Ben is uh, another character that fits into this. He is sort of Dr. Holmes's henchman. Mm. Um, he knows what Dr. Holmes is up to, and he's somewhat involved in some of these. Uh, it starts off in just the shady business dealings, uh, getting deeds over and the the uh, uh, the flimflam man uh aspect. Uh, There are other uh, parts of this where he may have been involved in the actual disposal of the bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any way, uh, Ben Peitzel comes and he starts working uh, for Dr. Holmes, and Ben Peitzel has a large family of his own. Mm -hmm. Um, So they concoct this idea, again, life insurance. There are these companies that will just give you money for dead people. Well, Dr. Holmes is really good at finding dead people. Uh, So uh, they come up with this other scheme. This time, Ben is going to be the guy who who, uh, fakes his death. Uh, And then Dr. Holmes and Ben are going to share this money. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So... So uh, part of this life insurance scheme uh, finds them in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, at this point, Holmes is actually arrested uh, for fraud. Mm. Uh, And uh, so uh, he spends a few nights in jail in St. Louis. And while he's there, uh, he meets a man uh, by the name of Marion Hedgepath. And for some reason, we don't understand, Dr. Holmes tells uh, Marion, this whole idea of the life insurance scheme that they, he's got going uh, with uh, Ben Peitzel. Oh my! And uh, Hedgepath is a, a, a career criminal. A, a, you know, the, a, a flimflam man as well, a con artist. Uh, I don't know of any uh, serial killing that Hedgepath is up to, but uh, just scamming people. And uh, Hedgepath says, uh, "You know, I know a good crooked lawyer over in Philadelphia." Uh, I'm sure that there is only one crooked lawyer in Philadelphia, and uh, Hedgepath knows him. And 
says, yeah, you go talk to uh, my buddy, uh, this lawyer, uh, once uh, this whole, you find this body, however you find this body, <laughs> uh, and he'll make sure that everything uh, gets taken care of. And uh, Dr. And Holmes thanks him and says, uh, when I get this payout, I'm going to send you $500 for your services. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Mr. Hedgepath. Uh, and uh, Holmes does uh, get out of uh, prison. Uh, and uh, then uh, the, this uh, scheme continues and they go to Philadelphia because that's where the life insurance uh, company is based out of. Makes it very convenient for the payday. Uh, the check doesn't have to go very far. Um, so they set up uh, Ben Peitzel as this inventor, which he kind of was. Uh, Peitzel invented this new kind of coal chute. Um, and so uh, they've set him up in Philadelphia and uh, Ben Peitzel has this lab and some sort of mix-up is going to happen in the lab and they're going to find this body and burn it beyond recognition uh, and then say that that's Ben Peitzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, um, instead of trying to find another body, <laughs> Dr. Holmes uh, says, well, Ben, you look like Ben Peitzel to me. And uh, so uh, just uh, it, he burns him alive, uh, alive oh. uh, with benzene. Oh. Um, uh, chloroforms him, but uh, I can't imagine that this was a peaceful way to go. Um and so uh burns him alive with uh, alive with benzene and uh then goes to the life insurance company and says oh it's a tragedy um ben peitzel's died uh where's my money uh and uh so they pay it out mm-hmm. and uh then uh, the news of this um, gets into the newspapers mm-hmm. and uh, that that this man has died and there's a very large uh, uh, payout and it's going to be paid out to the wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the wife, uh, Mrs. Peitzel and her children, uh, they're now just expecting uh, the check to come any moment now. Mm-hmm. Well, th- she believes that her husband is still alive. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Holmes goes, well, Right now, we can't have you reunite because then the insurance company is going to know that we scammed them. Mm-hmm. So we've got to move you guys all over the country. <laughs> and in fact, we should probably separate the children. Uh, I'll take the children uh, and uh, we'll separate you guys and keep you guys running all over the country until the heat blows off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he takes three of the children. Oh, my. And Mrs. Peitzel. And then he moves them all around. Um, sometimes they are in completely different states. At one point, they are just a block away from each other and do not know it. Uh, Dr. Wow. Holmes is just moving them all across. And the daughters are writing letters this whole time to their mother, telling them everywhere that they're going, all the exciting things. But they wish that they could go outside of the hotel. They can't go outside. Dr. Holmes says that they can't. Mm-hmm. Um Eventually, uh, he says uh, that the little boy needs to be separated from the little girls. Uh, And so uh, Howard is then taken away. And then uh, he keeps moving them around, eventually uh, gets uh, them to a house in uh, Canada, in Toronto. And uh, then what he does is he... Uh, uh, takes a, a luggage trunk and he drills a hole uh, through the top of it. He gets the girls inside and then he gasses them. Mm. Uh, the uh, little boy, uh, Howard, was actually uh, later on, they, they found uh, parts of his body were stuffed in a chimney. Mm. Um, uh, Mrs. Peitzel has no idea what's going on, hasn't heard from her children in a long time, but is assured by Dr. Holmes that everything is uh, just fine. Now, 
I told you everything got put into the newspapers about this payout. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. Holmes, the money's coming. Everything's just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it looks like he's gotten away with murder another time. Mm-hmm. But he forgot to pay Hedge. <gasps> Hedgepath was owed this $500, uh-huh. and he didn't get it. And so then he starts making a, a ruckus about it mm-hmm. and saying that Dr. Holmes had this whole – but, again, it's just the scam part. Mm-hmm. So he thinks – Hedgepath thinks that Peitzel is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, the wife thinks that Peitzel is still alive. Um, so he – Dr. Holmes is found uh, – the Pinkertons actually go after him, the big detective agency of the time. Mm-hmm. And they arrest him in Boston for fraud once again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things start to not add up here. Uh, he is found with all of the letters from the daughters because no one knows where the children mm-hmm. are. Uh, he still had those letters that the daughters wrote every day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's another detective uh, named Frank Geyer, and he starts going back through the letters and tracing uh, uh, tirelessly all of the places uh, where Dr. Holmes had stuffed them away and mm-hmm. first uh, he finds the boy. He finds the mm-hmm. remains of the boy and then uh, he finds uh, that the uh, the two little girls were buried uh, in a cellar mm-hmm. uh, in that house uh, where they uh, were killed. Um, but at this time now everyone is, they're not exactly sure. He's not arrested or charged with the murder of anyone else. No one in Chicago, not even this family, mm-hmm. but he is charged with the murder of Peitzel. Mm-hmm. They believe that part of this fraud was him murdering Peitzel. Uh, so, uh, they put him on trial in Philadelphia. And uh, one of the first things that Holmes does while he's on trial, uh, it goes into session and he has his team of lawyers and he stands up before the judge and he says, I uh, would like to dismiss uh, my legal team at this time. Uh, They are not qualified to do this. Mm -hmm. And he gets rid of all the lawyers and he decides he's going to represent himself. Oh, okay. So now... This is almost better for him than all of these things that he's done because now he is the absolute center of attention. Yes. He is the one who gets to cross-examine all of his victims now. Yes. Um, He is the one who is in charge of everything. He is the ringleader of this circus. Um, So at one point, uh, the prosecution brings up Mrs. Peitzel. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mrs. Peitzel knew nothing of the letters that her daughters had written. And the prosecution brings them into evidence and shows them to Mrs. Peitzel. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Peitzel breaks down in front of everyone mm-hmm. um, uh, that that her children are dead and that they were trying to tell her everything. Mm-hmm. And she never got word of this. She breaks down. The jury, the judge is sobbing, mm-hmm. wiping tears from his eyes. Everyone in the courtroom is is so sad Mm -hmm. uh, at what has happened here but dr holmes shows no expression Mm -hmm. Uh, he is completely stone cold when he's uh, when when this happens in the Mm -hmm. room later on he figures out oh i've made a mistake i should have been emotional when all the rest of the humans were emotional right um and and uh, so then he brings uh, one of the three wives that he's having at one time um, that don't know about each other mm-hmm. uh, comes to the stand, uh, uh, Georgiana. And she starts talking about, uh, well, he, he was a pretty nice guy. I, I didn't know too much about him. He disappeared a lot, but he'd come back, give us lots of presents and things. 
And at that point, he starts to, Dr. Holmes breaks down and sobs mm-hmm. in front of every, oh, oh, this man does have a heart, I guess, mm-hmm. what he was hoping people would believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, eventually the, the, uh, his mansion in Chicago is raided and they find evidence uh, of some of these uh, uh, murders and they believe uh, that he is connected to a lot more, but he's never charged with anything. He's only charged with the one murder of Ben Peitzel and he is found guilty mm-hmm. uh, and he is sentenced to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the time between sentencing and his actual execution, he pins his memoirs uh, where he claims that he murdered a lot more people than maybe he even did Mm -hmm. um, and tells this whole story about his life. uh, And uh, he also sells his story to um, the Hearst uh, uh, newspaper uh, uh, magnate. Uh, Mm -hmm. So uh, it's run in all of the uh, newspapers, uh, his account of everything that happened. This completely grips the nation. No one could even conceive of a man being this evil and this mm-hmm. dastardly to have killed this many women, this many children mm-hmm. um, for, for financial gain. What was it all for? Uh, so completely fascinates the nation. Um, he is uh, set to be executed uh, in uh, May uh, 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 of uh, 1896. And uh, he is uh, on the gallows. Uh, they uh, put the noose around his neck. He has one last wish, and that is he wishes to be buried in cement uh, so that his body can never be exhumed mm. and used for grave robbing purposes like he did to so many others. Mm. Um, and then uh, the the hangman pulls the lever and uh, the noose uh, was not fixed properly. And so uh, instead of snapping his neck, Dr. Holmes strangled to death. Um, He was seen uh, gasping and twitching uh, Mm -hmm. for over 15 minutes. Interesting. He was was finally pronounced dead 20 minutes uh, after um, uh, the trap uh, had been opened. Um, Dr. Holmes is this figure that uh, fascinates people to this day. Mm-hmm. Just the way that all of these uh, murderers and serial killers do. He's uh, sort of, uh, at least in American history, seen as like this initial one, this this one that started our, our fascination with the, the macabre and the gruesome acts that actually happened. A real person did this. Mm-hmm. And no one uh, played more into this um, mythologizing than himself. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, uh, he said that while he was in prison, uh, that his face started to uh, uh, mutate uh, and that his chin was getting longer and that he could see that he was actually becoming the devil himself. Yeah. Um, Another point, he writes that uh, it would have been wrong for him not to have murdered, uh, that he was a murderer just as an artist does art and a poet writes poetry, that it was his calling in life, um, and that to try and quell that would have been the real crime. Mm. Um, uh, uh there are many books uh, and and documentaries, uh, a podcast uh, all about um, um, this this murder in the White City. Now, a lot of that is fictionalized, um, so it's really hard to get at exactly who he was and what he did, and that's just the way that he would have liked it. Um, but in the end, as many uh, 
clinical psychologists and uh, forensic psychologists will try and evaluate who this person was. The end, he was a flim-flam man, a con man mm-hmm. who happened to uh, uh, get off on, on, on killing innocent men and women and children mm-hmm. uh, and selling their bodies um, um, for money. Because uh, he somewhere along the line, he got distorted and he got uh, uh, taken off a path uh, that normal people uh, would go on to. Um, but a, 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 a truly fascinating figure uh, for all of how evil he was. And I think that there are a lot of things uh, that bear out uh, in the chart uh, that we were able to find today. Well, Chandler, this is quite the subject for the show. I have to say, in all honesty, I uh, am not upset at all that the uh, executioner made a mistake in quotations and did not tie the hang noose correctly i have to say that uh it might be wrong but i think this person deserved much worse than that um he certainly inflicted it on others yes who were innocent yes he did yes he did you know you think of that there were lots of his victims who who died, some of them from strangulation, some of all, many of them from a lack of being able to breathe. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is exactly uh, what he got. Very, very interesting. Well, I mean, I would never imagine in reading someone's chart that they could be that horrifying. But this fellow, uh, I can't even imagine someone this horrible. I am familiar with who he is because a lot of different um, media, films and uh, television and series, have touched on his story. And so I am familiar with who he is and I am familiar with his charm and his ability to convince people to do things they would never really do. Um, It is in his chart that he has the ability to do these things. I just wish I knew what his actual birth time was to sort of put this into perspective. But a lot of what we discussed is there. And sometimes that Saturn in in Virgo has to do with medical school, has to do with medical aspects, also has to do with, um, interestingly enough, uh, uh, like researching cadavers and the interest in... uh, the medical aspect and the research aspect of cadavers. But, uh, yeah, he was the worst possible aspect of everything in his chart. And I'm going to say it was probably from whatever, I mean, you know, you have these things in your chart. They could make you very powerful and very wonderful, or they can make you insane, depending on whatever was done to him. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when children have horrible things done to them, as we see in many indications, many examples of adults who were abused as children, like horrifically abused as children, they play these things out. And that's very sad and very horrible. And um, 
I, I, I mean, these aspects are there. The, the, the worst of the worst, the worst aspects that are possible, the worst interpretations of each of these things are there. You know, it's just that I don't normally entertain those, you know, macabre aspects of astrology, but it's there. It's clear that he had the potential to be everything he was and honestly had the potential to get away with it. Mm-hmm. So again, it, 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 it was not uh, that he was caught murdering mm-hmm. someone. It, it was fraud. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he had promised another flim flam man mm-hmm. money and he didn't mm-hmm. deliver it. If he had sent that $500 to Hedgepath, mm-hmm. it's possible we never mm-hmm. would have known. Um, or we would have found out much later or in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, it, it's interesting how it's always just one little mistake that he did not plan for mm-hmm. brought everything down on him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And luckily, that's how it works. Uh, I don't know what makes people do things like this, but um, <laughs> it's just... I mean, it's worse than animals. Animals don't do this. You can trust animals to do what they do. But human beings, they're the worst. They can be the absolute worst. Uh, Well, are there uh, other things that uh, make more sense now that you know who it is? Well, I mean, the aspects of this Pluto conjunct all of those um, Taurus uh, his uh, Venus and his Mercury and his Sun, with Pluto all conjunct there. I mean, worst case scenario, this person is very, very dark. You know, uh, the uh, Mars and Gemini conjunct the Uranus and Gemini. Really quick, really quick minded. That North Node in Capricorn was used for nothing but manipulation. You know, and uh, the Saturn in Virgo. Uh, was the medical aspect, and then the Jupiter in, in the Moon conjunct Jupiter by degree is his uh, ability to um, gain luck and 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 fortune from women. Um, the Chiron in Pisces, uh, you know, is uh, probably. It could even be in the third house of childhood where he did not heal from whatever they did to him, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot. That Neptune in Aries at one degree, I was like, mm, that could be crazy. That could be mean crazy. You know, worst case scenario, Neptune in Aries, really mean crazy. Um, there's a lot here, you know, and... and I don't know. It's surprising that we can come up with this many things just by looking at the astrology and not even having the rising sign, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we should say something very happy now. I think we should, because this is very depressing to me. And I would like to uh, say um, something fun and bring this up a little bit. Well, I think you did a great well, job. Well, thank you. I think you did a great job, too. Uh... I think that you uh, uh, were looking at everything here and, uh, you know, it could have gone just, you know, this is very reminiscent of our one of our earlier experiments with Charles yes. Manson is uh, it could have gone in either direction. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this man could have been a powerful executive mm-hmm. in the time of the Gilded mm-hmm. Age with uh, robber barons, and he could have done things to benefit society. Yes. Um, it, that was all there, too. Absolutely. Uh, so hopefully, people, if you look at your chart and you find a, a few similarities here, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be cut out to be uh, Dr. Holmes. No. Uh, it, it's all in uh, how things happen. Uh, so it's a combination. This is not an answer for everything, yeah. but uh, it, it's interesting to uh, see how it all came out. And I think, uh, you know, uh, a- as we uh, conclude things here, as we do, uh, uh, I think that this is between on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space this is pretty close to right on the money with the information that we had um, uh, showing uh, who this guy uh, was. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. It's very true. Astrology is a very interesting uh, science. And um, hey, on a lighter note, it is raining and we've needed rain for a while here in Texas. So if you're in Texas, uh, this isn't going to come out for a couple of weeks. But uh, while we were recording this, it was raining really nicely. (laughs) Yes, we at one time had a drop of rain. Uh, If you are in Texas uh, listening to this whenever, uh, because you may be listening to it when it comes out. You may be listening to it years afterwards. At one point, there was a drop of rain That is true. And uh, in the summer of 2022, that is miraculous. (laughs) It's very good. (laughs) And uh, all right. Well, I think that, yes, this is very fascinating. And I think that there are a lot of people in the world who really... Uh, enjoy studying, uh, you know, these people and, and their psyche and what makes them tick and all that. And, um, uh, so, um, interesting aspect to this astrology. Yes. Uh, so uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to uh, continue to support the show, promise there's going to be uh, some more uh, happier episodes <laughs> coming up. I know the one coming up next time is going to be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, sometimes we do uh, weird things like this, too. <laughs> um, so if you'd like to support the happy parts and the weird parts, um, uh, please reach out on our uh, social media. We have all the links provided in the description. Uh, we also have a link there to our paypal account any little bit helps us in producing a better quality show and uh getting the word out about our uh, little experiments here uh to other people who want to find out about the happy and the weird stuff that we do here (laughs) uh mom do you have anything else that you'd like to add yes i'd like to say thank you to all the people who have already contributed to the show it's very nice of you we love it very much it's very helpful And um, I think that we have a very bright rest of the summer coming up. So I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to next week's episode. Yes. uh, So uh, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.